0: Don't you just love to hear the voices of children? I do. That's good. Amen. Um, this morning, I want to thank you for being here. I, I want to start off by saying thank you to Dave Taylor and uh, the men and, and who cook and make our prayer breakfast a success every month. We, we had a great time yesterday of fellowship. Uh, great time of just sharing our hearts and and mentioning things that need to be prayed about and people who need our prayers. And so um, thank you men for being there and making that possible for us. I also want to thank uh, Ms. Marianne. I don't know if y'all recognize it or not, but we're having vacation Bible school this week. And uh, it's been busy. Everybody's been getting things ready. Going to have a lot of kids tonight and have a lot of fun teaching them about the Lord. And so I expect it to be a great time. I want to open up with just a word of prayer for David Kennedy's dad. Dave's here this morning. He's flying out this afternoon. His dad um, had an emergency situation and uh, is, is not, not doing well at all. And we're praying specifically for Dave to be able to get there and hopefully be able to minister to his dad and share the Lord because his dad's not a believer. And it's important that uh, we pray for Dave. There's been some others. Uh, Mr. Carl's had surgery this week. Valerie's dad, Bill Hayes, left a minute ago to take his wife to the hospital. There's just a lot of stuff going on. So can I just pray as we start the service this morning? Father, we're trusting you as the great shepherd, the great physician, the one, Lord, who knows us better than we would ever know ourselves. We call on you, Lord. Lord to help the people that we've mentioned. Yesterday, so many people were talked about as far as needs that they have, and God, we lifted them up to you, and we continue to do that this morning as a body of believers. We trust you for what we need. You've never let us down. You never will. You promised to walk with us, to take care of us, to minister to us. Lord, to meet our needs when we can't. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, and what you do, how you take care of us. Thank you, Lord, for shepherding us through life, not just in this life, but for giving us eternal hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy, for allowing us to come together as a family of believers. Thank you, Lord, for our visitors that are here today. Lord, thank you for being here, for what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and how you're going to lovingly care for us and minister to our needs. Lord, for every person that's in this room, they've had a different kind of week. We all have those things, Lord, that we need help with, that we struggle with. We turn to you, Lord, and we ask God for you to meet our needs and help us, Lord, to see you at work. So that we can give you praise and glory and honor. You're an awesome God and we do love you. And we thank you for your goodness to us. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to jump back into the 10th chapter of John this morning and draw your attention to verse 2. We looked at verse 1 through verse 5, but primarily verse 1. <clears throat> the last time we looked at this passage of scripture... But I want to begin by reading the words of the Lord beginning in verse 2 of John chapter 10. Jesus said, For a shepherd, and I'm talking about a true shepherd here, for a true shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. and The sheep hear his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, He walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. If Jesus had a favorite term that he used for the church and for Christians in general, I'm certain it was the word sheep. Part of that was because he lived in an agrarian culture, society, He saw sheep and shepherds almost every day, everywhere he looked on a regular basis, they were all around him. But another part of that came as a result of the fact that Jesus knew people to be a whole lot like sheep, and we certainly are. We're, We're more like sheep than we could ever imagine. If you know anything about sheep herding, you know that sheep lived with their shepherd, so the sheep typically wouldn't follow a stranger because they knew their shepherd. They didn't like strange things. They don't like strange things or strange people. And that's what Jesus says here in this verse. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run away from him because they don't recognize his voice. Now, sheep won't follow strangers, but they'll wander off. They will. They'll wander off by themselves and they can be influenced by other wayward sheep Sheep have a way of going astray, and that was the primary reason for having a sheepfold in every village and every town. It was to keep the sheep in, uh, and it was to keep the wolves out. Again, sheep have a way of wandering off, getting lost, and when they do, they can't find their way back home, and that's a very dangerous place to be in. When I was serving in my first church, down in Florida, I heard a knock at the door one day, and I opened the door, and there stood one of our godly men in our church with a three-day-old baby lamb. And he just handed it to me and said, here, your, your daughters need this lamb. And so we took him in. Yeah, <laughs> Howard was known for that. <laughs> he was a great man. But uh, anyway, we won't go there a whole lot. Howard, Howard handed me the lamb, and, and uh, he, he said, you know, you need, you need, your daughters need to raise this lamb. They'll really enjoy that. Well, look who just came in. Hey, brother, good to see y'all. Yeah. And um, and so when when I when I got the lamb, I decided, okay, what we're we gonna do? We built him a pen out back, and the girls quickly named him Sammy Lammy. You know, it was a, a very personal thing. He became a part of our family. Uh, we had him a nice pen out back, but. Sammy didn't like to stay in the pen. He loved to be a part of the family, so I'd find him in the bedroom sometimes. They, they would put a diaper on him and cut a little hole in the back so his little tail could come out. and uh, We would take him out, and, and Sammy was, was one of those, he, he, he liked to be around people. And You'd let him out of the pen, he'd come get right between your legs, and he'd rub up on you, and he'd want you to rub his head and pat him on the back and everything. But then Sammy would start eating grass. And Sammy, as he started eating grass, he would get his head down, and he'd get busy, and he would focus on the grass, and he would eat and 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 eat. And eat, and eat and. They call that grazing. And he would graze away from you, and then he would get off about 15, 20 feet from you, and all of a sudden, he would look up, and if you were still, I don't know whether they have bad eyesight or they're just not, you know, <laughs> but, but he, would, he would go to looking around, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? And he bah, bah. And you know, as long as you stood there, I guess he thought you were a tree. <laughs> but but the minute you moved or you said, Sammy, come here, he would run right back to you, get between your legs, want you to rub him. And you could calm him down real quick, and he'd, you know, his little tail would start doing that number again. And, and then the next thing you know, Sammy'd start eating grass again, and he would graze and he would wander off and This was a cycle that would just go on and on and on. He would do it repeatedly, over and over. Well, you know what? People do the same thing. We draw close to God. We we let God help us. And then we start grazing away. And we wander off. Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray, each to his Each of us has turned to his own way. It is our nature to wander away from God. My my favorite passage of scripture where Jesus talks about sheep is found in Luke's gospel, the 15th chapter. Jesus said, if you had 100 sheep and one of them went astray and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the lost one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. And when you arrive, you would call together your friends and neighbors to rejoice with you because your lost sheep was found. I, I believe that passage shows us the heart of the Lord. He was a shepherd. He, he loved his sheep. He had a shepherd's heart. Matthew tells us a little bit about how the Lord functioned as a shepherd It says in the ninth chapter of Matthew, verse 35, that Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They had nobody to care for them. Nobody who was concerned about them. Nobody watching over them. Friends, Jesus, Jesus loves sheep. And if you by chance are a lost sheep, I want you to know that Jesus specifically loves you. He cares about you. He knows that you need a shepherd and he wants to be your shepherd. Everybody needs a shepherd, but not just any shepherd. You need a good shepherd. And you could have no better shepherd than the Lord Jesus Christ. It was interesting yesterday, Mark uh, Leonard read from the 40th chapter of Isaiah. He had no idea that I was going to read a portion of that. He began, I think, in verse 12 or 13 and read on. This is verse 11. It speaks about how the Lord takes care of us as our shepherd. It says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. That's what the Lord does for us. My Old Testament professor and my mentor, Dr. J.W. Lee, wrote the uh, January Bible study on the book of Isaiah, and there's a quote in there where where Dr. Lee says this. He says, The good shepherd is comfort personified. He's the one that knows how to put us at ease and rest. Friends, Jesus is the only one who can rightly refer to himself as the good shepherd. As a good shepherd, Jesus knows how to tend uh, to his flock and to care for us. You see, he is a caring shepherd. He is the caring shepherd. He keeps a constant watch over us 24-7, never letting us out of his sight. He knows how to feed us and nurture us. He gathers us when we're likely to go astray, especially the, the, the young ones, the lambs. He even carries us when we find our way too difficult to walk By ourself. Friends Jesus. He takes really good care of us as his sheep. And we can all bear testimony to that. In John 10 verse 11. Jesus said I am the good shepherd. Again in verse 14. He says I am the good shepherd. And I know my own sheep. And they know me. Now the one thing. The one thing that separates Jesus. From all the other shepherds in the world. Is the fact that he gave up his life for his sheep. He He literally made the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus says that the hired shepherds would never do that for us. In verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But a hired hand will run when he sees the wolf coming. He will leave the sheep because they aren't his and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is merely hired and has no real concern for the sheep. He's just there for the money. He doesn't care about the sheep, and quite honestly, neither does a false shepherd. And there are false shepherds. Not only uh, are there, were there false shepherds in, in the old times, in the, the uh, days of biblical times, but there are false shepherds today. Not, not everybody who's in a leadership role among God's people is a true shepherd of the Lord. Isaiah clearly warned about false shepherds uh, who would lead people astray. If you look with me at Isaiah 56, look at what God says about the leaders of his day. He said, For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds, they are blind to every danger. They are like silent watchdogs. What good is having a watchdog if he doesn't let you know if danger is coming? He said, they are like silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie around, sleeping and dreaming. They are as greedy greedy as dogs, never satisfied. He said, they are stupid shepherds, all following their own path, all of them intent on personal gain. Come, they say, we will get some wine and have a party. Let's all get drunk. Let's let this go on and on and tomorrow. Will be even better. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Years ago, Doctor J. Vernon McGee had a retired preacher friend give him a call, and he said to McGee, "He said, McGee, uh, you're you're making your messages on the radio a little strong, don't you think? Suppose people turn against you and they don't support your radio program anymore. What are you going to do?" McGee said, "Well, I, then I'll just go off the air, and I'll just tell the Lord." What has happened? He said, if he intends for me to stay on the air, then he intends for me to share his word. Quite frankly, I think that this is God's problems and not mine, so I'll just give out his word. And that's what he did right on up until the Lord took him home. I also read something else he said this week, or uh, I read something this week that he wrote years ago, probably about 50 years ago. J. Vernon McGee made this statement. He said, the morality of our nation is gone, my friend. The morality has gone out the window. He said, and a great many Christians don't want to hear about it. They would rather listen to soft, sweet music. Well, you don't get in trouble when you just play soft music. But you do when you give out the word of God. And that is so true. That is so true. I, I was thinking the other day as I read this, back in 2016 when... Donald Trump became our president. I knew the kind of man that he was, and I knew the kind of leader he was going to be, and I, and I, I just sat there, and I thought about it for a little while, and I, and I wrote this on a little sticky note, and it's, it's up on my credenza next to my computer, and, and I'm, I don't claim to be a prophet, but I think I may have been on to something. I wrote on that little sticky note that if America doesn't have a great awakening, and if the church is not revived, In the next few years, all hell's going to break out in 2020. Guys, I think we already see the rumbling. Our country is divided because it's been split by the enemy. The enemy knows how to divide and conquer. And we've got to figure out a way to come back together. Amen? We need to be praying for our leaders, those that are true leaders. But we also have to be aware of those who are not of the Lord in Philippians Paul says whatever happens dear brothers and sisters may the Lord give you joy I never get tired of telling you this I am doing this for your own good but he says in verse 2 watch out for those dogs for those wicked leaders and their evil deeds through Jeremiah the prophet God said I will send disaster upon the leaders of my people the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones that they were expected to care for, says the Lord. He said, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They have lost their way, and they cannot remember how to get back to the fold. And being in that situation, verse 7 says, and all who found them devoured them. That's what happened when the enemy finds You separated from the flock. He's good at devouring you. He knows how to do that. Through Ezekiel, God said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. He said, destruction is is certain for you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, you butcher the best animals. But you let your flock starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the broken bones. You've not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. I stand before you today and say to you that, friend, I'm I'm a shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd, under God's shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. I've been doing this about 30 years now and, and I don't mind telling you I, I did not apply for this job. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would do that. It's a tough job. God called me into ministry. I had a great job as a, as a welder, been trained to be a nuclear welder, was loving life and God called me into ministry. I, I remember going to Dr. Lee. Joyce and I went up not long after we were uh, called into ministry and knew that's the path that God wanted us to take. And I remember sitting down with Dr. Lee in his formal living room, and and he said to me, Son, if God will let you do anything but be a pastor, you go do it. And I tried. I uh, considered his advice. And I thought long and hard about it. But God wouldn't let me do anything else. I've been called to be your pastor. And I don't take that responsibility lightly. That's why it's quite often that I wake up in the middle of the night, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, thinking about one of you. And I begin to pray for you because evidently something's going on in your life and God wants me to pray for you. There's a burden there. And uh, I, I do that quite often. Um, sometimes it's, it, it's it's humbling to be a pastor. Sometimes it's frightening to be a pastor. There's great responsibility that I wear on my shoulders because of the responsibility of leading you through life and being there for you. And uh, I don't take that lightly. You know, feeding and caring for you as God's sheep is not easy. It's not. Um, Just keeping God's sheep rounded up sometimes is hard. (laughs) And uh, we need all the help we can do that. Nonetheless, I I want you to know I love what I do. Uh, Somebody honored me the other day and, and said this to me. They said, you know, Pastor, one of the things we've noticed about your church here at Harvest, is that you love your people and your people love you. And I said, wow, you couldn't have said anything better to me because I hope that, that's obvious and to them it was. The Apostle Paul said, our purpose is to please God and not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our heart. To the Galatians, he wrote, obviously I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm I'm trying to please God for if I we're still trying to please people, then I would never be, I would not be Christ's servant. For me, as I've learned what I know, and there's still a whole lot more to learn about being a pastor, I've learned this, if you're going to be a, a godly shepherd who serves the Lord, you have to follow the Lord's shepherding example. And there's no better passage of scripture to teach us about how the Lord shepherds us than the 23rd Psalm. Listen to what David wrote. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows, and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength, and he guides me along right path, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. And comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies, and you welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What a powerful psalm when you take an honest look at this psalm and study it. You're not only going to learn something about the nature of God, but you're going to learn something about his leadership style, the way the Lord shepherds us and leads us through life. When you look at the word shepherd, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find that it's a word that defines and illustrates leadership. It's a word that communicates the love and the nurture and the spiritual care that a godly leader should provide. I I was doing some studying, and honestly, this week, I, I have to say to you up until this week, I never realized that shepherding is done so differently throughout the world by different cultures and different people. But when you take all of it and you look at it, there are two primary styles of shepherding, and they are exactly the opposite. Shepherds who use the Western style of shepherding, they drive their sheep from behind or from the side by using sheepdogs to push them in the direction they want them to go. It's a non-relational approach to shepherding or to leading. Friends, you don't have to know your sheep to drive them. You don't have to care for them either. All they are in many cases to those kind of shepherds they're just animals, just animals. Middle Eastern shepherds, on the other hand, are always out in front leading their sheep. They always take to the path first, making sure that there's no danger out in front in the direction that they want to go. And they call to their sheep, and, and they get them to come, and, and they follow. Uh, their sheep follow them. Obviously, that's a, a relational approach to leading You see, this type of shepherd knows his sheep by name. They're a family to him. He knows those that are weak and he knows those that are strong. He has an intimate relationship with all of his sheep. That's what the good shepherd does. True shepherds truly smell like their sheep. Why? Because they've been with their sheep. They spend time with their sheep. They care for their sheep's needs. They care for them when they're sick and when they're hurting. They often carry the little ones that can't keep up, and they even meet the needs of the older sheep as well. A true shepherd loves all of his sheep, and all of his sheep are important. In the 23rd Psalm, David describes the ultimate shepherd, the, the good shepherd, the Lord performing several critical functions that are necessary to be the good shepherd. He says that he provides all the necessities that. His sheep are ever going to need. The Lord has promised to meet all of our needs, right? Not all of our wants, but all of our needs. He confidently leads His sheep by example. He rightly guides them on their life journey. He feeds and He anoints His sheep. He loves them unconditionally. He takes His sheep to a place of perfect rest. He renews and He restores His wayward sheep. He protects His sheep from the thieves and the wild animals, he he corrects his sheep when they need it, but then he comforts them as well. And it says that he even po- provides a permanent shelter for them. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Trust me, as I as I read this the other day, I say to you, we all need everything that the shepherd can provide. And that's why we need to know the shepherd. We need to know him personally. And And folks, that's why we all need to know the Lord. Amen? We need to know Jesus. He's the ultimate true shepherd. You need to know him in everyday life circumstances. You need to know him personally. Praise God, our God certainly knows how to choose faithful and fruitful servants who serve alongside of him under his care. I want us to look at how David became the shepherd of Israel. Look with me at Psalm 78. Psalm 78 verse 70 says that David was chosen by God to be his servant. It says, He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfold, from the care of the ewes with suckling lambs. He brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. Verse 72 says, So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and he guided them with skillful hands. You're going to be a successful shepherd or leader in the church. There are two things that will be required of you. Listen to this verse again. It says, David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them with skillful hands. David led Israel with skill of hands and also with integrity of heart. Well, What does that mean? Skill of hands simply refers to the fact that David was excellent at his task. In other words, David was good at what he did. He was a good shepherd. He knew how to shepherd. He was passionate about what he did. He always sought to do his job at 100% of his ability. He didn't do a halfway job. He didn't skimp on the job. He didn't clock out early. He didn't leave his task for somebody else to do. He knew shepherding. He was a shepherd. He was a skillful leader. And I, I think David probably learned a lot of that growing up. Tending his father's sheep upon the hillside. He learned it from a small boy, how to keep the flock together. But he also learned his shepherding skills from allowing the Lord to, to lead him through life. He allowed the Lord to be his shepherd, and thus he had skill of hands. He also led with integrity of heart. Now, what, what in the world does that mean, integrity of heart? In Acts 13, Luke writes, after removing King Saul, God made David their king, and he testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything that I want him to do. Folks, David had a heart that was seeking to know the will of God and to know God's plan, and And also to honor others in the process. You and I have read the story about David. We know David wasn't a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. But God declared that he had a heart of integrity. What does that mean? Well, despite all of his failures, he always sought to put God's will first in his life. And that's an important part of being a shepherd. Dr. Tony Evans said if you have skill of hand... Without integrity of heart, you can do good work, but you'll run over people in the process. To that person, people don't matter. Only the task at hand matters. A person like this lacks the ability to lead well. Why? Because people matter. They matter to God. Not only that, though, an excellent leader has to earn the respect of those who are following him or her. How you treat people is essential. But integrity of heart involves much more than that. It involves the inner recesses of who you are as a person. It includes your character, and it takes both to lead well. I want to read a statement to you and see if you agree with me or disagree with me. God's leadership is needed everywhere. Amen? Oh, me. It is. But how about the last part of this? But nowhere is it needed more than in the family. Y'all agree to that? Amen? I think so. Well, friends, who in the world did God give instructions to concerning life in the garden? Was it Adam or was it Eve? Adam. That's right. Look at Genesis 2.15. Says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and care for it. But the Lord God gave him this warning. You may eat freely of any fruit in the garden except the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. You read that story and you know that Eve is not even created at this point. God is establishing a principle here. From the very beginning, God has set the father up as the spiritual leader of the family. Tony Evans calls him the representative head. He was the one to whom and through whom God would speak and then it was his job to share what God said to him with his wife and his children. Therefore, the father is of great importance to the family. Amen? Amen? Folks, listen to me. That is exactly why Satan... Is always trying to get rid of dads. Dads are his target. You see, if dad is gone, then the God ordained spiritual leader of the home is gone, and that places extra burden on the mother. We have an epidemic of that here in America fatherless homes. I did a little research this week, and it's unbelievable. Luke Rososki said in 2012, he wrote this in an article. He said, in every state, the portion or the number of families where children have two parents rather than one has dropped significantly over the past decade. Even as our country added 160,000 new families with children, the number of two-parent households has decreased by 1.2 million. When he wrote this article, 15 million U.S. children, one out of every three, lived in a home without a father. Five more million lived without a mother. That was in 2012. 2017 census said that number had grown to 19.7 million children without a father, and it continues to grow. In just five years, that number grew by five million fatherless homes. There are some communities in our nation that is even greater. In fact, there's an area down in the south where the fatherless rate is as high as 82%. Is it any wonder that our nation's in the shape that it's in without having a spiritual leader at home? Again, Dr. Evans says, what has been lacking for so long in our culture are men solidly living out their biblical places of leadership. And while God has given women great gifts and abilities, and while we could not function in our homes without them, the great challenge of the church is to win men and call them back to their rightful place of spiritual responsibility as kingdom men. It's the only way it's going to happen, folks. When fathers will live out their calling to be present and involve leaders in the lives of their children, and to be visibly affirming to their wives, we will see huge dividends in the fruit of our youth. Women can also encourage their husbands to be excellent fathers through speaking life into them, speaking words of encouragement, praying for them and encouraging them. Folks, God, God needs us to be shepherds. Godly shepherds are needed everywhere. Everywhere, especially in the home. Unfortunately, they're not always where they need to be. But even where there's a lack of spiritual leadership in your life or in your family, you can always choose to allow Jesus Christ to be the good shepherd that you desperately need. He's there for you. He wants to be your shepherd. I want you to look back at John 10 with me at what Jesus says about sheep and shepherds look one more time he said for a shepherd enters through the gate he doesn't climb over the fence he comes through the gate the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice and they come to him he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out and after he's gathered his own flock he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't recognize his voice. There's a lot that could be said about this passage of scripture, but three things jump out about what Jesus tells us about the good shepherd. As the good shepherd, Jesus speaks to those who are his sheep. I shared last week that the Lord speaks to us every time we open up His Word, and we begin to read the Word of God, the primary way that God speaks to us today is through the Bible. If you want to hear God open up your Word and begin to to read it and study it and let God speak to you, and along with the Spirit of God, the Word of God will give you the message that God wants you to have. You're not going to get it if you just put your Bible on a shelf. You're not going to hear God unless you open it up and begin to read it. Something else I see here is that He knows and He calls you by name. The good thing about the Lord is that he wants to be personal with you. He wants to be intimate with you. It amazes me that God knows my name. We talked about grasshoppers yesterday. Isaiah talked about how God looks at us from heaven and he sees us down here. We're like a bunch of grasshoppers on earth. And yet God knows every one of us grasshoppers by name. That's pretty amazing that he would know us by name, be able to keep up with us. Because, you know, grasshoppers just get everywhere. They go everywhere. They do all kind of stuff. God knows us by name, and the beautiful thing about it is, if we know the Lord, He has our name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And praise God for that. He also will successfully lead you through life as you follow Him. As you follow Him, um, I thank God. You know, I, was, I watched, and I'm sure you did yesterday the 50th anniversary of landing on the moon and all the thousands and thousands and thousands of people and the billions and billions of dollars that it took for us to put a man on the moon. All of that energy. And I, I don't, I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's good. But if we would take a fraction of that energy and that effort to get people into heaven, wow. The Lord will bless you. He not only is a person who knows the way, but he is the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. There are several things in this passage that we who claim to be sheep need to be able to do. Three things I want to point out that are very important for you. If you're going to follow the Lord, you've got to be able to do these things. And the first is, you have to be able to recognize Jesus' voice. We live in a world today where everybody's speaking. There's, There's so much noise out there. Everybody's calling us. Some are calling our name. It is so easy today to be mistaken about who is calling us. You could be thinking that God is speaking when it's not God. You see, the enemy knows your name too, some of you. He knows what to say to us. And just the opposite is also true. It could happen. You could be hearing a voice that you think is just a person or a friend when it's really God speaking. That's that's what happened to Samuel. He thought Eli was calling him in the middle of the night, and three times he got up and he ran to, to Eli's side, and Eli said, I'm not calling you. Go back to bed. And finally, Eli said, you know, if you hear that voice again, just say, yes, Lord, here's your servant. Folks, Jesus said, my sheep recognize my voice. Twice he said, my sheep listen to my voice. That is a must. We not only need to hear, but we need to listen. And there's a difference. But before you can listen and obey. You have to be able to recognize his voice. You have to know his voice. In order for you to know the Lord's voice, you have to be able, you have to know the Lord. I was thinking earlier this week, I, I pastored in, in North Carolina and, and uh, in Virginia now for pretty much 25 years or so. Um, back when we first came to North Carolina, the first hospital that I came to up here to visit somebody that was in the church from a part of our church. I I remember going to Norfolk General and it's changed a lot. It it continues to evolve and change and develop. I remember getting out of the elevator and I was walking down the hall and uh, I heard a voice that I recognized. I mean, New to the area, hadn't been in this hospital before and all of a sudden you hear a voice that you recognize. It got my attention. And immediately I knew who it was. It was Mark Thompson. It was a man that had been one of my instructors over in Pensacola, Florida at the Baptist Hospital when I was doing chaplaincy training. And, uh, and so I stopped, I froze in my tracks, and I began to follow the voice. And I followed, turned around, went back, and went in the door. And there there's sat Mark behind a desk. And I go, What in the world are you doing here, man? Last time I saw you, you were in Pensacola, Florida. He said, Well, he said, I'm a staff chaplain now here at, at Norfolk General, and I thought, wow, what a small world. Folks, listen, if I had not heard and recognized his voice, I would have never known that Mark was anywhere within a million miles of me. I had walked within 10 feet of where his desk was, but the only thing that gave me any clue that he was there was I heard his voice and I recognized it. Why, why is it important for you to be able to recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd? Well, friends, first of all, you don't need to miss what he's saying to you. God's got something to say to every one of us. He's saying things today that you need to hear. You also don't want to miss God. You know, God comes by and he walks by and and, and sometimes we need to realize that he comes close to us for a moment, but then he keeps moving. You need to know when God's close and you need to draw near to the Lord. You also don't need to follow a strange shepherd that will lead you away from God. Sometimes there are voices that we hear that aren't of God. You always need to be able to recognize the voice of the Lord. And and a second thing I see here is that you also have to come when Jesus calls you. If you don't come, you could get left behind. As I said, the Lord's on a move. He's got a plan. He's marching on into eternity. And he comes by sometimes and he calls and he tries to get your attention. And if you don't hear him, you're going to miss him. You're going to get left behind. You're going to miss out on God's blessings. You may even waste the precious opportunity that the Lord has for you. Joyce and I live kind of out in the country and we've got new neighbors. We've got new neighbors on the right. We've got new neighbors behind us. Uh, We're trying to get to know them. Uh, My new neighbors over on the right side of us, Uh, it's been interesting, Uh, he's got a young dog, uh, some kind of special shepherd, I think it's a Dutch shepherd of some kind, young female. Um, I hear my neighbor all the time calling her name, and I hear it over and over again, Tasha, come, Tasha, come, Tasha, come. Well, Tasha doesn't come until Tasha gets ready. Or unless Mike really gets loud. My guess is there's a relationship problem going on there, you know. She hasn't quite figured out who the boss is yet. Guys, we need to hear the Lord when he calls. The Lord doesn't just call us to salvation. He calls us to obedience and service. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 it said one day Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew. And they were fishing with a net for they were commercial fishermen. They were watermen. It said Jesus called out to them and said come be my disciples and I will show you how to fish for people and they left their nets at once and they went with him they heard him one time and they began to follow the Lord that's the way it's supposed to be folks God doesn't need to have to raise his voice to get our attention He he speaks through a still small voice and we need to hear him and we need to respond something else I see in this passage is that you also have to follow when and where Jesus leads When and where Now, that, that's not easy for us to do You see, we're busy people, aren't we? We have our own life and we have our own plans And we want to do our own things And there, there are goals we have And there are places we want to be And people we want to see And you know things that we want to get done But when the Lord calls, you need to recognize Him. You need to also follow Him. Followship is not about convenience. We can't go, well, Lord, I hear you today, and it's a good time. No, it's about commitment. It's about doing the will of God. It's about being available to God. I promise you this, that every gift and talent and ability and passion That you have. Was given to you by almighty God. God knows the ability that you have. He knows what you can do far better than you'll ever know or understand yourself. You don't need to tell God what you can do. He already knows the ability. What you need to do and what I need to do is make ourselves available to God. He's given us the ability. Listen to what. Luke records in the ninth chapter of his gospel. He's talking about the disciples, and he says, as they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will go, I will follow you no matter where you go. That's a bold statement. Lord, it doesn't matter where you go, I, I, I'll follow you. But Jesus replied to the man, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. In other words, worldly possessions don't mean anything to me. I'm here to do the Father's will. Jesus walked a little further, and he said to another person, Come be my disciple. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And Jesus replied, Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty, your duty is to go and to preach the coming of the kingdom of God. And then another man said, Well, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. Let me tell everybody what I'm about to do. Let me give mom and dad a hug and Let me speak to my Uncle Johnny and Aunt Mary and all the cousins. But look at what Jesus said to the man. Anyone who puts a hand to a plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We have to be focused on the will of the Lord. That's hard for us humans to do because we're so connected to our world and to our culture and to our community and to our families. The Lord calls us to be followers. We are sheep. He is our shepherd. Dr. McGee wrote these words and they are powerful. He says, when you find people who are eager to follow the word of God that's when you know they are sheep. When you find someone who is eager to teach the word of God that they've learned, that's when you find shepherds. My friends, I wonder, what kind of relationship do you have with a good shepherd? Can you hear his voice? Do you hear him call? What's God calling you to do? And are you willing to follow the Lord's call today? I, uh, I said to you earlier, I didn't apply for this job, um, but I heard God call. I wouldn't change my life or anything in the world. I'm glad to be who I am today because God's made me everything that I am. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my shepherd. And I pray that for you. Let's, let's pray together this morning. Father, we humbly bow before you. Lord as sheep who desperately need a shepherd Lord some of us here in this room today are struggling with life some of us are having a hard time we, we're we struggling because we don't know what to do or where to go or when to be there Lord we've got problems that overwhelm us we've got issues in our life that we can't figure out what to do with Lord there are things that That without your leadership and without your help, Lord, we're going to wind up a disaster. Oh, Lord, we call on you today. I ask you, Lord, speak to our hearts through your spirit. Draw us closer to you because there's no safer or better place to be than close to the heart of God. Help us, Lord, to be willing to surrender our lives to you, to be who you want us to be. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you want to shepherd us through life. Help us, Lord, to be submissive to you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Will you stand today?